Bibles with you, and I hope you do. We're going to be in John chapter 13 this morning. John chapter 13. Uh, I just want to start off by saying I personally feel a little bit safer today. I have not had a single person offer to throw a rock at me yet this morning. Uh, the sermon hasn't started yet, so we'll see how that goes. But it's, it's going to be a better day for me. Uh, uh, coming up on the screen, I've got a picture here. This is a lady named Mary Therese. You've probably heard her called Mother Teresa. Uh, Mother Teresa is known for her heart to serve, and, and she tells the story of when she was younger, she felt called to serve others. She called it her calling within a calling. She was called to be a follower of Christ, and in that calling of being a follower of Christ, she was called to serve others, and serve she did. And in her ministry, if you want to call that in her service, she created homes for the most outcasts of society, places where people with HIV and AIDS could go to live out the rest of her life and be taken care of. She created places for orphans to live. She took care of people with leprosy and tuberculosis. And anybody who wanted to help her in this was required to take a vow of wholehearted, free service to the poorest of the poor. By her death, there were 513 places in 133 countries under her guide that was serving the poorest of the poor. <clears throat> Once a reporter was following her around India and she was out on the streets doing what she does, loving and serving others. And she saw a man laying in the ditch, the poorest of the poor, the, the, the lowest of society. And she bowed down beside the man and, and pulled him over in her lap. And it was obvious the man was dying. And, and she comforted him and she cared for him. And she began to clean his maggot infested wounds. And sure enough, this reporter that was sitting beside her, he looked at her and in amazement, he goes, I wouldn't do what you do for a million dollars and she looked back at him and she smiled neither would I see there's something about being a Christian that changes what we're willing to do Mother Teresa once put it this way she said in my work I belong to the whole world but in my heart I belong to Christ and belonging to Christ should create a transformation within all of us where our wants and our desires and our needs begin to change and we start to look at our life and it starts to look a little bit more like the life of Jesus Christ we see that in Mother Teresa but her calling was not unique all of us have a calling within in a calling that we should serve and we should serve like Jesus served. Just to catch you up, we've been in a, a series the past few weeks called Disciple, and we've just been talking about what it means to be a disciple. And simply put, when you look at what it means to be a Christian, it means that we model our lives after the teachings and the example of Jesus Christ. And so what we're looking at is what does that look like practically day to day in my life and in your life? What does it look like for us to be a disciple? And the practical habits we've looked at so far are just study of scripture. If you want to live by Jesus' teaching, you should probably study those teachings. Prayer is an integral part of being a believer, this constant connection with God. Last week we talked about the need for a connection with the faith community. So habit number four, practically what does it look like on your uh, notes, if you're taking notes this morning, habit number four is a disciple serves like Jesus. If you're here and you're saved in America, you probably call yourself a Christian. I am a Christian. I love that word. It's a, it's a heavy title to take on yourself. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity, being a Christian, is a lifestyle. It's an identity. It's a calling. To be Christian, that word literally means to be Christ-like. That as I go out into the world, I represent Christ in the way that I live and in my identity. And if you look at Jesus Christ, he had this habit habit of serving people. He had this habit of caring for others' needs at the expense of his own needs. 
If you look at his travels in the Gospels, you'll see Jesus providing food for people, Jesus traveling Israel, healing people's physical ailments, obviously looking for the spiritual health of them as well, but he always put others before him. Uh, Jared announced this morning we're going to be showing here in a few weeks The Chosen. I think it's two weeks from today. You guys are going to want to come see that. It gives you a vibrant picture of what the life of Jesus and the disciples probably, most probably looked like. And there's a scene in there that I love that just really, just really caught me when I think about Jesus and traveling. The Bible says that Jesus traveled and the multitudes came to him. And, and those multitudes would come to him for healing. And he would spend time meeting with each person, healing all of their physical ailments. And there's this, this um, scene in The Chosen where all the disciples, they've made a camp and people are coming to Jesus to be healed. And they're sitting around waiting on Jesus. They start in the morning. Jesus is healing. They all go back to the campfire. They're sitting there talking. Where's Jesus? He's still healing. The crowds are still there. The lines are still long. And they're sitting there talking and laughing and joking. And suddenly from behind a bush, from off in the distance where Jesus has been working, here comes Jesus and he's just exhausted. To use an old Arkansas term, you guys ever heard the term that he was dragging? Somebody's so tired. Jesus just comes in and he's huffing and he's puffing and he's shaking with exhaustion. That's the kind of service that Jesus lived in this world. And if we are followers of Christ, if I'm a disciple of Christ, that's the kind of service that Jesus calls me to. So our first take-home truth this morning when we talk about serving is disciples serve God by serving people. That comes from Matthew 25. I know I told you John 13. Hang tight. I'm just going to make a pit stop here and I'll meet you in John 13 here in just a second. But listen, listen to what Jesus says when it comes to serving others. This is Matthew 25. He says, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Hang tight, let me explain. Jesus here is talking about his return. When he comes back, there's going to be a great sorting of people. Sheep within the scripture always points to believers. So on one side, there will be sheep, people who have chosen to follow Christ with all their lives. He will put them to one side and then he will separate from them what the Bible calls goats. Goats always represent people who live in sin, people who are not saved, unbelievers. So he separates them. He has a group on his right and a group on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, that's the sheep, the believers, the disciples, if you will, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see a stranger and invite you in and needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see, sick, see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. See, I love what Jesus is doing here. He takes his disciples, his followers. That's you and me. He takes the sheep and he sets us aside. And when he comes back, he is going to be this moment where he just rewards us for what we've done. And he goes down through this list of things that his followers, disciples are doing. They're feeding the hungry. They're providing water for the thirsty. They're clothing the poor. They're looking after the sick. They're visiting people in prison. And Jesus says, when you were doing that for that individual person, it's the same thing as if you did it for me. See, in God's eyes, when we serve other people, we serve him. 
And I love the way that Jesus phrases this. He doesn't phrase it as, well, you know, you did a little bit of that. Some of you, some of you cared for the sick and a few of you others fed the poor. Jesus doesn't phrase it as like you should have been doing this. He's talking to people that he's coming back. His believers, his disciples, he's saying, you did these things. The way Jesus phrases this, this is an expectation of him. This is just happening amongst his disciples and his believers. I'm going to put it this way. I don't believe that you can be a disciple of Jesus Christ and not serve other people. Because when Jesus talks to his followers, it's assumed that they have been serving other people. So why does Jesus just assume that we're going to do that? It's because if we're his disciples, we live our lives by his teaching and by his example. And he clearly taught us and showed us to serve other people. If you've got your Bible still on John 13, I want to read this story about Jesus and the example of service that he gave. Verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the end, he loved them until the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and all that he was to come from God, and went to God. He rises up from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. And he poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. This is one of the most amazing stories about Jesus Christ. And for several different reasons. The first one is this, the timing of this story. Let me ask you a question. If you had one day left, you knew that today was your last day on earth, what would you prioritize with your time for today? Would you go skydiving? Would you go Rocky Mountain climbing? Would you go 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu? I can't, that's two country songs in two weeks here. I can't do that. That's a country song by Tim McGraw. Like, what would you prioritize with your time? What about when it came to your family, your children or your grandchildren? What would you prioritize to teach them? What is it that you would say, this is what needs to be taught at this moment? Here's what Jesus taught. Jesus taught service to his disciples on the eve of his death. Jesus knew he was about to die, and he spent his final moments on earth, or part of his final moments on earth, serving others. Because Jesus is about to be betrayed, arrested, and crucified. See, Jesus didn't just talk about it. He lived it. And we can learn from Jesus how important service is by the priority he put on it. So I just wanted to notice a few things about the way that Jesus served. And thus, that should apply to us. If Jesus served in this way, so should I. And so should you. So in your take-home truths, the next thing we have is Jesus served, number one, in work that was beneath him. Jesus served in work that was beneath him. Now, to understand what's going on here in this story, you need to know the hygiene differences between Israel 2,000 years ago and today. Because we live in what I would call a relatively clean society. Almost everybody in this room got a bath of some sort in the past 24 to 48 hours. I'm hoping, if not... You should probably do that. Like, like we are a very clean society. Like we, we get bathed and then we take clothes which we have washed and we put them on and we cover ourselves. We get into a car, we drive to work, we walk across pavement and concrete into a building that is clean daily. We live in a very clean society. To understand the hygiene of this time, you have to understand they did not have any of those things. 
They traveled everywhere they went, whether it was to mom's house or to work, by foot on dirt trails or roads. Muddy, nasty, dirty places. So as they traveled, their feet, they're going to get sweaty and stinky. You know how it is. They're wearing sandals and dust is going to stick to them. And for that reason, washing their feet was a part of their daily, multi-time daily hygiene to do. They would take and wash the dirt off their feet before a meal. They would do it when they entered a house. Obviously, before bedtime, they would clean their feet constantly. So what Jesus is doing here is a daily task. It's not a ceremony. But here's the problem with this, is this wasn't Jesus' job. Foot washing is the job of the lowest of the low servant, whoever the oldest is or the youngest or the least like, that's who did the foot washing in the house. It was never the leader. It was never even the head servant. It was always the lowest of the low person would do this. Why is that? Because feet are disgusting. Like, think about it. Do you really want to be the person where your main job in the family is to take somebody's nasty, dirty, sweaty, smelly foot? It's got an ingrown toenail. Got some fungus going on on there. And wash it off. That's the lowest of the low servant's job. But yet, Jesus did that. It is so shocking that Jesus, as at the very least a rabbi, we obviously know him as God, the Son of God, doing this. That is so shocking. Here's some context for you if you can't understand how shocking it is that Jesus would wash feet. Imagine that today you go home, you've heard a great service, you love Ramsey Hatch, you go home, you have your lunch, you go to bed, you take your nap, and you're woken by somebody knocking on the door. And when you open the door, there's a guy in a black suit, sunglasses, and he looks at you and says, I am agent so-and-so with the Secret Service. Please hold for the president. And the president of the United States gets out of his limo, escorted by two Secret Service agents, comes up to you, walks up to your door, and says, hi, I'm the president, I'm here to clean your house. Can I borrow your vacuum? And you're like, wait, wait, hang on, what are you doing? And he walks in and he's like, oh my goodness, this place is a mess. Because let's be honest, our houses are a mess if nobody's coming over, right? Look at those baseboards. Cancel my meeting with Russia. I've got some baseboards to clean. Where do I start? I don't even know what to do with this. Take me to your toilets. How shocked would you be if the President of the United States showed up at your house with that mindset? I'd be speechless. I'd be shocked if y'all showed up at my house to do that. I'd be pleasantly shocked, hint, hint, wink, wink. But like, like it would be shocking for somebody to say, let me clean your house in that way, this servant's job, much less somebody so far above that. And yet it is immensely more shocking that Jesus Christ would take on the role of a servant and wash the feet of his disciples. It's so shocking, in fact, that when Jesus comes around to Peter, Peter pulls back. He begins to struggle with Jesus. If I would Jesus go, uh-uh, you're not cleaning my feet. That is beneath you. I'm having no part of what you're doing here. So Jesus served in roles that was beneath him. And that is the model that he set for you and me. If you and I serve, we will not serve when it is easy. We will not serve when it means something. We will serve in small, minuscule tasks that are beneath us. Are you uncomfortable yet? It gets better. Point number two is that Jesus served at the expense of his own comfort. Jesus served at the expense of his own comfort. You see here that as he's doing this, he rises from supper. There's some dispute on the translation. Some people will tell you that the, ongo the supper was ongoing. This is in the middle of eating supper. Some people will tell you that this is the end of the supper. Either way, Jesus left his comfortable position to do an uncomfortable task. 
at this time when you ate, you laid around a table. It was like a coffee table. It was real low. You didn't sit at chairs. And everybody just kind of lounged on pillows and you leaned against each other and you kind of reached across the table and you just ate family style. And it was this great time of celebration and people would tell, tell jokes and they would recount stories of their lives and, and they would laugh and they would love just like we do when we eat a meal. And yet Jesus leaves this while these men are sitting around him, these people who are beneath him, who are his servants. He leaves this time of joy and happiness to go wash feet, to go serve other people. Imagine this, Thanksgiving is here. We all know how Thanksgiving goes, right? You spend eight days cooking, you eat it all in 35 minutes, and then everybody's too stuffed to move for a few hours. And the best part of Thanksgiving is not the actual meal, in my opinion, which I'm not a food person. It's that moment after you eat when everybody's just kind of sitting around the table and, and nobody wants to move. Everybody knows the kitchen's a mess. Everybody knows these plates have got to be clear. But what do we do? We sit around and we tell jokes and we recount that time that great uncle so-and-so got in a fight on Black Friday. It's like our yearly tradition. It's not just my family. Okay, anyway, but like we, we just keep living that moment. What Jesus did here is he was the person who got up while everybody else told the fun stories and everybody else talked about their life. Jesus was the person in the kitchen cleaning the dishes and taking out the trash. He leaves comfort. He leaves comfort to do an uncomfortable task. If you want to serve like Jesus, it will have a cost. That means that there's going to be times in my life and in your life as Jesus, as Christ followers, as servants of Jesus Christ, when I want to go home and I want to sit on the couch and I want to watch TV, just want to rest today. But yet today is a day that I've been called to serve. And so I will leave my comfort of my house to go serve in other places. Number three, number three is Jesus served in genuine humility. Jesus served in genuine humility. See, this, this wasn't a show for Jesus. He wasn't putting on a show. Jesus was legitimately doing the task. The way that John writes this, you can tell he's just amazed because he gives you like the play-by-play -play of what happens. He doesn't say, we stood there and Jesus started washing our feet. He says, Jesus got up from supper. He took off his clothes, which by the way, clothes at this time were very functional. So it's like the equivalent of taking off your nice church clothes to put on your work clothes. He takes off his garments. He lays them aside. He wraps a towel around his waist and then he pours water in a basin and he begins to wash feet. Jesus is the leader of this group. It would have been nothing for Jesus to say, hey, bring me some water. I, I want to do a demonstration about what service is like. It would have been nothing for him to say, um, I don't want to get dirty, so be real careful with your feet and keep his robes up. Jesus did the task to completion. This wasn't about a show. This wasn't about people looking at him. This was about Jesus Christ serving other people. See, we have some misconception that the more our service is in view, the more important it is. That's why when you get on social media, you see people and they tell stories. I got to do something good today. I found this family and they were on the side of the road with a tire and I changed their tire. Like we seem to think if I show you that I'm serving, my service means more. But that's incorrect. Biblical service is in the small, minuscule tasks that nobody notices or nobody wants to do. Before today, you probably knew that Jesus washed feet. Did you know that Jesus poured the water in the basin? The thing that nobody would notice? Probably not. 
See, we think service looks a lot more like going to a soup kitchen and, and passing out food and people come and smile at us and we say, you're welcome, I'm gonna do this for three hours and we get all the joy of being the person who passes out food. But what service really looks like is the person who comes in four hours later and mops the kitchen when nobody looks. That's the kind of service we're taught to, taught, um, taught to follow. Genuine service. And the difference in these two things, the difference in the way that I want to serve where people see me, the way I want to serve where it's more important if it seems to get more attention in the way that Jesus serves is the motive. So the motive for us is always to build ourselves up, but the motive for Jesus was always to build up and care for other people. If we mimic Jesus, we will serve and care for people in the smallest of tasks. Number four, Jesus served the unworthy. If you're a church person, you're like, obviously he served the unworthy. Everybody's unworthy compared to Jesus. If he did anything for anybody, they were unworthy of it. And you're absolutely correct about that. But there's a part of the story that is often overlooked. Is that all of all the men that were sitting here eating with Jesus, one of them was named Judas Iscariot. Let that sink in for a second. The Bible tells us right before this, Satan had already put in Judas's heart for him to, to betray Jesus. And tells us right after this that Jesus points to his group and says, one of you that is here, one of you whose feet I just washed, one of you who has just ate with me will betray me. Judas was here and his feet were washed too. I love how Jesus serves here. Jesus walks up to a man who is a part of a plot to kill him and he could have been like, I know what you're thinking, I skip you. It's like, fine, I'm doing it for everybody else, I'll do it for you, but don't think I'm enjoying it. With tender love and service, Jesus washed the feet of Judas just like he would of Peter or John. He, he cared for the unworthy. And it gives us this picture of what service actually is. Service is to others is not about their worth. Service to others is about your love to them regardless of their worth. Now, I want to be clear, you and I will probably never be faced with that level of service. I don't foresee an instance where anybody in this room will ever be called on to wash the feet of somebody who is plotting to kill them. But you may be called upon to serve somebody else who is an enemy, somebody else who is unworthy. Maybe it's a parent or a step-parent who has failed you. Maybe it's somebody who has hurt your child. Maybe it's an ex-spouse who broke your heart. Maybe it's a friend who turned their back on you. Maybe it's just somebody that you despise the decisions you make and you think they're not worthy of service. I was so convicted about that this week. Last week I had an opportunity to serve somebody. They reached out to me. They said, we're having some hard times. And I'm like, I, I would like to help you, but you're going to have to help yourself a little bit first. And I've been so convicted this week because that's not how Jesus served. Jesus didn't serve the worthy. Jesus served everybody equally worthy and unworthy. So if you want to be like Jesus, leave here and serve the person that you feel least like you should have to serve. And the whole point of what Jesus is doing in this as he serves people is that if I can do this, if I am God and I can do this, then my followers can do it. Read with me verses 12 through 17. This is after he washed their feet. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know you what I have done? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for I am so. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. 
For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than the Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Happy are you if you do them. Jesus makes this argument. If I can do a task beneath me at the expense of my own comfort and genuine humility for the unworthy, you who are not as great as I, you who follow me, you can do this too. Jesus is pointing the finger back at us and said, okay, you've seen me do it. What are you going to do? Now, I want to be clear. I'm not going to ask you to wash somebody's feet today, although there would be nothing wrong with it if we did that. This is not about ceremony. This, this is about service and, and caring for people. But here's what I love about this. If you look at verse 17, if you look at verse 17, Jesus shatters our conception of what we've been talking about. Because I see your faces, and I stand up here, and I read the same Bible that you do, and I'm just like you. I have to struggle with Scripture. I have to let it shape me, and sometimes my heart wants to fight that. And here's what a lot of you have been hearing. Fine, I guess I should serve more. Oh, it's hard to be a Christ follower. It's never fun. Never anything good happens to me. Like, this isn't, this isn't what I want to do, but I guess if I have to, I will. Or you may be the other, and you're like, maybe if I ignore him, I don't have to act like I hurt him, and I don't have to do what he said to do. Like, that's how we look at service. But look what Jesus said. He said, if you do these things, happy are you. What a, what, a, what a crazy thing when you're looking at what Jesus is saying. He can shatter how we view the world in just a second. Other translations say, blessed are you if you do these. That brings us to our next take home truth. Serving is a blessing. Listen, you don't have to serve. You get to serve. You get to care for other people. You get to show Jesus Christ to the world. You get the blessings of doing what Christ called you. Serving is a blessing. So just real quick, I want to I go over a few ways that serving is a blessing. There is, point A on your take-home truths, joy in serving if you do it in the right heart. Let me be clear. If you serve in the wrong heart, if you serve and you're expecting something in return, there will be no joy for you in serving. You will always be disappointed and frustrated and angry. But there is joy in serving in the right heart. There is joy in giving myself to somebody else. Think about it. Think about the three happiest people that you know. Go ahead and put them in order. Now think about the three most miserable people that you know. Here's what I can tell you about those people without ever knowing who you're thinking about. The three happiest people you know are selfless. They spend their life not thinking about themselves, but thinking about others. The three most miserable people you know are obsessed with themselves. They're selfish. That's why they're always angry and bitter. I can't believe that person cut me off. Don't know I was driving around here. No, they don't know you were driving around there. The world doesn't revolve around you. But they're always angry. Why? Because they're focused on themselves. If you want true joy in life, you will find it in serving others. Point B is there is purpose in serving. Listen, you will serve something in your life. You were designed to serve. When God made you, you were made to be in relationship with something bigger and greater than you. And every human being, whether they know it or not, is hungry to be a part of something bigger than them. That's why we spend so much time pursuing things in this world that are above us. Some of us, we, we, we may try to find our purpose in our job. And if I'm just the best at my job, then I will have purpose in this life. It'll let you down. And by the way, if you die tomorrow, they'll hire somebody else the day after that. And in three weeks, somebody will go, I really miss them. They were a nice person. And they'll never think about you again. Like we look for purpose in, in the way that we do hobbies. Like the Razorbacks are such a cruel mistress. Like, I don't know if you guys know that. Like, like we, we look for purpose in, oh, if the Razorbacks could just win something, I'd be so happy. But in truth, they always let you down. Sometimes we look for purpose in family. 
Sometimes we look for purpose in causes, things that we can give our lives to. I watched a show a while back. I think it was called Whale Wars. I don't know if that was it. I was just astounded by this guy. This guy must have been a mega millionaire because he had a million dollar boat. And you know what he did with his boat? Is he drove around and he chased whaling ships and tried to interrupt their fishing of whales. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with his cause, but he dedicated his life to saving whales and his fortune to saving whales. Why did he do that? Because even he, there was something in him that said, I've got to serve something greater than myself. You will serve something. The question is, what will you serve? See, our purpose was to serve God. And as God has said, you serve God by serving people. Point C, there is reward in serving. There is reward in serving. I love the Bible says very often, it says, do not be deceived. That means you're going to be tempted to think something that's not true. Don't be deceived by this. And one of the things we're taught not to be deceived about is that what we do here doesn't matter in the next life. Jesus said this, and he said this specifically talking about money, but it applies to a lot of things. He says, don't spend your life building up treasure here on earth where moth is going to take your clothes. You got a closet full of fancy clothes? Me too. It's going to rot one day. Got a bank account full of gold. It won't do you any good. He says, spend your life building treasures in heaven where they will be for eternity. So when we serve others, we build rewards in heaven. What did Jesus say when he separated the sheep from the goats earlier in Matthew 25? He said, come get your inheritance. Come get your reward. Here's the things that you have built for yourself in eternity where you will have them forever. So I believe what the scripture is challenging us to do this morning is to live a lifestyle of service. Listen, I don't want us to go out here and serve one time. I want us to make it a part of who we are because that's what Jesus did. Service was a part of who he is and that's what me and you are called to do. So here's how you can do that quickly again. On your take-home truths, live a life of service, point A, by seek, actively seeking to serve. See, service is a mindset. It starts with a mindset and then the actions follow. If you want to serve, you must walk out here today with a mindset, I will serve. I will find places to serve. Because if you're not looking for it, it will be easy to ignore it when it presents itself to you. So we leave here actively seeking to serve. And that may look like providing meals to people who don't have a lot of food. That may look like raking the leaves for the person who lives next to us. That may look like caring for the bills of someone who's fallen on hard time. That may just look like taking up the telephone and spending an hour of quality time with someone who is lonely and needs somebody. That may look like being at work and volunteering for that one job that nobody wants to do. And you're just really hoping they give it to the new guy, not you. Just look for opportunities to serve, to leave your comfort level and my comfort level and do something for someone else. I love superheroes. And Batman is one of the greatest because he's not actually a superhero. He's just a really rich guy with a lot of cool toys. And so back in my head, I'll never be Superman. I can't fly. I could be Batman though. Batman has a butler named Alfred. One of my favorite characters in any superhero franchise. Alfred is awesome. And his sole purpose is to take care of Batman slash Bruce Wayne. But if you ever watch a Batman movie or you read one of the comics, what you'll see with Alfred is Alfred doesn't sit around and wait for somebody to tell him what he needs to do. Alfred spends his life anticipating the needs of Bruce Wayne and providing them. Just go into the world and be Alfred. Anticipating the needs of others and providing for them. 
So we can live a lifestyle of service by seeking opportunities to serve. Secondly, live a, set, uh, live a lifestyle of service by setting routines of service. That's point B on your take-home truce. That means you look at your routine. Everybody in here has a routine. We wake up at a certain time. We go to the same places every day or every week. We see the same people over and over again. And we begin to look at our routine. What's something I can do every day that I can serve others? What's something I can do once a week that's going to be my Tuesday routine to serve others? And it doesn't have to be a great big thing. Uh, that may be getting to work 10 minutes early and serving or uh, fixing coffee so everybody else can walk into a warm cup of coffee. Uh, that may be husbands. That may be taking your wife's car and washing it and filling it up with gas once a week. Just every Monday, I'm going to wash her car and make sure she feels loved. Wives, that may just be making sure that when food is ready, you just take time to, here, let me carry your plate for you. And I know what you're thinking. Brian, that sounds demeaning to say that to a woman. You don't have to do that one. You can let him sit in his recliner and you can wash his feet every day when he gets home from work. See, service is demeaning is the point of this. It, it may look like doing extra things with or for our kids. It may look like calling a neighbor before our weekly grocery run and saying, what can I get you? Even though they always say nothing, we still give them the opportunity. It should always look like prayer. Mother Teresa said this about serving others. She said, never worry about numbers. Help one person at a time and always start with the person nearest to you. Set a routine of service or several routines of service in your life. The next thing we're going to talk about, point C, uh, ways that we can live a lifestyle of service, is serve in church. There seems to be this misconception about service, that if I want to serve in church, that my service is more important if I have a title. If my title is pastor or deacon or teacher or if I get voted in as something, those are the jobs that matter. I would argue those are the jobs that matter the least. The jobs that matter are the ones that mimic Jesus' love. And that means that the people that are up here on a Thursday night cleaning this church so that you can come into a warm, safe environment, their service to God is every bit as important as what I'm doing up here. That means that the deacons have an equal role to the people who sit down and do coloring sheets with our four-year-olds, hoping to teach them about Jesus. The people who manage our finances mean nothing more than the people who greet our doors. We at Ramsey Heights don't believe that one person is more important than the other. It's about what you do to serve God, not what title you get while you serve God. That's why here at Ramsey Heights, we don't call it elected officials. We don't spend a lot of time on titles. We simply call everything that we do a position of service. They're all equal. And here's what's important about this. We're running out of time, so follow me quick. Here's what is important about this. When we serve others, when we serve others, we present a picture of Jesus Christ to the world. We present who Jesus Christ is in our actions. And even in what Jesus is doing here is serving his disciples, he's giving them a picture of his biggest service for us. He's giving them a picture of salvation. Think about what Jesus did. Jesus leaves his comfortable position to go into an uncomfortable position. Almost sounds like a God who has control of everything and has all of the glory, who leaves his position of glory be born in a manger and he takes off his garments he takes off his glory and he clothes himself in human flesh and he becomes flesh for us in the story it says that Jesus when he left his position of comfort he took a towel took off his garments and he took a towel and he wrapped it around himself does that look like a dress it's not a dress he wrapped it around himself 
And then he began to, to care for the needs of others. He got the water. They began to pour it into the basin. I want you guys to see how this is a picture of Jesus Christ, even if my towel's falling off. Remember our rock from last week that represents us and it represents how dirty we are. It represents how we need to be smoothed by other believers. It's that same rock. This represents me and you. Here's what Jesus Christ does for us. As Jesus came and he poured water in the basin, imagine that rock's a foot. He takes that and the scripture says that he then takes that rock after pouring it and he dries it on the towel that is girt around him that he's wearing. I've learned this from many a times of getting in trouble with my family for not getting all the dirt off my hands. I want you to look what happened as the dirt from that rock was transferred to me. And when Jesus was washing feet, the dirt from their feet would have been transferred to him. And listen, this is a picture of your sin. Your and my sin is filthy and it smells bad to God. And it's everywhere. And what Jesus does when he offers us salvation is he takes that dirt that is on us, he washes us with his blood, and he transfers our filth to him. That's what salvation is. And I just want you to know right now, Danny, if you want to start making your way up here, I want you to know right now, this can be a picture of you. Jesus wants so desperately to take your sin and your filth and wash it away from you. That's why he went to the cross. That was his way of taking our filth and our sin on him. And today, listen, you have a choice to be one of two people. Today can be the day that you can go to Jesus Christ and say, I want to be washed. Jesus, take my filth and my dirt from me. I believe that you died on a cross to take care of that. And if that's you today, I just hope, as I do every week, I hope today is the day that you come to know Christ as your Savior, that you walked out of here clean and washed by Jesus Christ. And if you're walking in here and you were already washed by Jesus Christ, we get to mimic this to the world when we serve the world. We get to mimic Jesus' service and love for the world in the way that we serve others like him. Let's stand and worship this morning. Don't leave here the same, that you, same way that you walked in.